What a beautiful night that was. How good did it feel, boys, when it was kickoff? Like, not the pregame show, not the build-up, but just, like, when they actually kicked off. Loved it. Oh, that first kickoff of the NFL season, is it, that's about as beautiful it gets. That's art to me. People look at beautiful paintings, look at a sculpture. For me, it's like freeze that moment, the, the first kickoff of an NFL season. And nothing says football is back like me losing a prop bet by six yards and another prop parlay by a half reception. Just one reception, just one more reception. Thought, man, if Jared Goff can just throw to him on St. Brown, one more time right here, nine yards, perfect. Let's just get this. No, run, 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 run. Football betting all the way back. Football season, can't wait for this weekend. Got Steven Ruiz of the ringer in a couple of minutes that I'm going to chat about. With the, I, I'm going to get into some of my own takes from this Chiefs game. Some of it is a little almost too obvious from that game. That uh, it's almost it's a little unfun to talk about. But I, we're going to dive into this weekend too. First, though, I got to quickly mention Canada basketball because while you were sleeping, they got knocked out. Well, they didn't get knocked out. They get to play in a bronze medal game, but they're done. The gold medal dream is done. Right now, actually, USA and Germany are battling. They're scrapping it out. Tie game early on. America's going to win. Germany's is not going to win this game. They already threw them their best punch. This, this feels a little bit like the Latvia-Canada game, actually, where the one team came out a little sleepy, and then they're going to end up turning this thing around. But it kind of sucks being deprived of Canada-USA, having this finals. It was a bummer that the game was at 4.30 in the morning. Poor Dan Shulman woke up for nothing. I wonder what the viewership is here for 4.30 in the morning. If you're on the West Coast, you kind of got to get that done. Like, just, yeah, stay up. Stay up and then go to bed late. That one, that, that makes sense to me. Have a little nap in between. But basically, the Serbia game represented everything that Canada is going to need moving forward in this tournament. And part of it is something you can't really teach, and it's just going to be a bit of a difficult road, but... It's good that they have the three-year commitment from these players because you just see the lack of experience in Canada. And it, it cropped up a bunch of different times in this tournament, right? This was not a smooth sailing tournament at all times. They had the slow start against Latvia. They had the hiccup against Brazil and they had the comeback against Spain and then the loss to Serbia. So yes, overall, great, 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 successful tournament. Not taking anything away from qualifying. That was always the mission. We said that was the goal Everyone should be thrilled that Canada actually got this done. The players showed up. They came back in a big spot. They showed some toughness. They had a real Canadian sports moment with Dylan Brooks and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Great. No complaining here. Don't care that they did not get to the gold medal game. Wish they did. But these are just reasons that, or these are just some thoughts as to why Canada's going to have to, or what they're going to need to get a little bit better at these tournaments. One is just the experience thing. They got the three years that's moving forward. Those guys have to play together more. They've got to find more ways to just be a little bit more. I keep using the same word, but it's true, connected. And I understand what Jordi Fernandez was saying to me yesterday when I asked him the question about getting closer to Spain's playing style, that offensive connectivity where guys really know each other. And there's different ways to break down a defense than a lot of isolation ball. And you saw that in this game. Well, you didn't. Nobody saw this because everyone was asleep. But Shea Gilgis-Alexander goes out for a few minutes because he's in foul trouble. And you don't have the main guy to break down defenses and create for other people. 
And then it becomes R.J. Barrett trying to do that, and, and that's just not good enough to win you massive games at this level in international play. So they're going to have to find a little bit more ball movement, a little less reliance on Shea, and maybe that just comes in the form of they drop Jamal Murray onto this team, and you go, oh, actually, no, those are you good. You got one of those two guys on the floor at all times. It's actually going to be fine. You can keep playing the way they will. But I do think that eventually it's going to have to be a little bit more of that blend. Jordy was saying that they're Canada. They're not Spain. They're not going to try to replicate these other teams. I think that's correct. And in fact, I really thought about it a lot after I left the show yesterday. I went, man, you know, I'm probably a little bit, we probably make too much of this. And that the NBA style is something that is going to work for a lot of these teams. And yeah, it's going to be the thing that works for USA. You don't have as much talent as them, but yeah, you got to work with what's at your disposal. And for them, that is going to be a mixture of those things, especially with Shea as their best player. And with RJ, and then hopefully with, uh, I, I, when we get to Paris, Jamal Murray. But I still think that the experience factor was big for these guys in the tournament, especially given that it's going to be the same guys coming back. And hopefully they'll be able to just have a little bit more time to coalesce together as a group. Because you saw it. You, you saw that. They did show a lot of toughness, but there were just way too many blips in the tournament of uh, not living up to potential and looking a little rattled. Two, and this is going to be the, the tougher one, they need size. And this was one of the problems going into the tournament, but you, they got cooked today inside. There was a legitimate professional big man down there. And that, how'd they lose the Brazil game? Big old Bruno Caboclo was down there. What was the trouble in the Spain game? It was Poe Cruz, his brother, just getting down on the paint and being able to score. And, and I'm not really sure what the solution is a year from now. It's hard to believe Zach Eady is going to make this massive jump. The, the huge kid from Purdue that you saw on the bench where you went, who's that guy? He's actually the best player in college basketball. But the way this works is that the best player in college basketball no longer is even good enough to go to the NBA draft. <laughs> That's the weirdness of basketball right now, the difference between college, international, and the NBA. I don't know if it's going to be Zach Eady. I'm not really sure how they're going to end up addressing this. But, yeah, the size quotient for them is going to be a tough one to unlock. And I kind of feel like that kid might need to take a step. Or they might need to at least take a look at what he can do defensively for this team. Because, yeah, they really struggled to defend inside. They, they had a big problem with experienced bigs. And don't get me wrong. This was not the tournament. I'm not upset Zach Eady didn't play because, yeah, he would have got spun into dust by all of these professional centers who've been playing international ball for 10-plus years. It wasn't going to happen. Again, overall a success, but those are the main things. Offensive connectivity amongst the group. Part of that, I think, is going to come with experience. Part of that is going to just come through maybe not just leaning on Shea to create or taking turns with some of the guys just creating for themselves. The transition game was awesome. That Jordy Fernandez is right. Top offensive rating. Great perimeter defense turning, transi- uh, turning defense into offense. A lot of positives. Good shot making for this team throughout the tournament. But I think that they're going to need that one little extra piece and then, of course, the size. Those are going to be the two things that really help, or the three things that are going to really help Canada. Anyway, last night, NFL football, back. Woo! I feel bad for Lions fans because that was a massive win for them, and today is really going to be all about the Chiefs and their weapons. That, that's going to be the primary thing. And I, I hate saying this because I, I don't want to take anything away from the Lions fans who deserve this moment because, God, how many moments have you had, Lions fans? Truly. What, what are your moments? I don't remember a time watching a primetime game. This felt a little bit like when the Bills whooped the Patriots' ass 
on Monday night football when they didn't have the Monday night football game in forever. And, I, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think, threw for four touchdown passes. Buffalo went nuts. I think that this is going to be more sustainable. That Buffalo one felt a little flukier for all being honest with each other. I really believe that this Lions team has swagger. I loved that they did the fake punt early on in the ball game. I loved that they were just going for it. Even the fourth down later that didn't work out. I went, who cares? This is who you're supposed to be, an offensive team. And you think about them when they actually used Jameer Gibbs which was one of the weirder things throughout that game was they kept pounding David Montgomery up the middle for a yard or two over and over and over again. Then it works out, right? Battering Ram comes through. There's no Chris Jones in there for the Chiefs. And eventually David Montgomery starts to make hay at the end of the game when it mattered. He got going. It was good for them. But boy, the flashes of Jameer Gibbs were sexy. Those were some sexy runs. He was explosive. I think there was one play that he had for a loss. And then a couple of just beautiful chunk plays for him where he gets the edge. They were losing their minds. It was funny to having Collinsworth at the one moment during the game go, oh, I can see how Lions fans would be frustrated watching this. I went, yeah, I can see that too. I can see that too. Give the good explosive player the football. Figure it out, especially once it started to stagnate a little bit with those guys. But you think about Amon St. Brown, who is a stud, just pure bonafide stud. There's nothing to debate about this guy anymore. Some of those routes that he ran last night, his ability to just kind of like sit down in the coverages, catch him. Him and Goff have pure, unadulterated connection. You think about what Gibbs can do, Montgomery being a nice secondary piece of that, eventually working Gibbs more and more into the offense. They built Gibbs up a little bit too much, I think, the lines. There was this whole, we're going to use him in every single way, uh, except for punting, uh, get ready for the Gibbs show. And then he was kind of a smaller piece of the offense in that game. But once they get Jamison Williams back too, with that offensive line and Jared Goff, the way that he can play when he actually has time in the pocket, lines are dangerous. And part of me, even in doing all these preseason predictions and looking at these, I always believe the Lions. Like I put it out yesterday on my socials. I was very high on the Lions. All my prop bets essentially revolved around the Lions. Jared Goff missing by six yards. That hurt me, Jared. That really hurt me. That was a really tough way to start the season between the two of us. But they, they pretty much looked like the team I expected them to be. Only Gibbs looked a little bit better than I expected. I, I think they're going to be phenomenal. I think that right now, if you told me, hey, who's the number three team? It could be them. If their defense can play that way. And again, there was no Travis Kelsey. Fine, fine, fine. But that's still Patrick Mahomes, who they limited at home. That was still Patrick Mahomes who they came up with big stops again, man. I, like, it's, it's pretty hard not to give the Lions defense a ton of credit. Like, Travis Kelsey is amazing. There's no question that the Chiefs receivers were brutal in that game. But you have to give the Lions credit. If that defense shows up, if that revamped secondary shows up, if Hutch, who I love how his dad calls him Hutch, that's amazing. I was laughing at that too. Man, I loved I, it. my brother, I... So my brother and I fight over who is bunk because I'm the oldest. So my friends call me bunk and his friends call him bunk. And it drives me insane when I'm around him and his friends. I can't believe that his dad just seeded Hutch to him. He's like, that's right, Hutch. That's right, Hutch. He's doing the flexing. When Hutch is- played too. It, just it, was, was- it was amazing. I loved those. I loved them. I loved those parents. They were phenomenal. Wearing Hutch hats. <laughs> they were so great. I, I'm glad that the broadcast mixed them in. But yeah, we're watching Hutchinson. And that defense getting a push, getting them homes. They were around it basically the entire game. Loved it. Think that that Lions defense is legit. And there's just, there's a swagger to them. There's something about Dan Campbell that still works. I was a little underwhelmed by Ben Johnson. I know that he's everybody's favorite offensive coordinator. He was good. 
had some good moments in that game, but also some underwhelming ones. Like I said, the, the usage of David Montgomery being probably chief among them. And then just some of the plays that they had late in the second quarter, I wasn't like too thrilled about and thought that they kind of mismanaged the clock a bit. They got themselves into trouble. Turnover, not their fault. They could have run up the score even more in that game. Anyway, I just, this game is going to be made more about the Chiefs because the Chiefs are defending Super Bowl champs. So you can't really feel too slighted. That's the, that's the price you pay when you play opening night against the champs and against the face of the NFL and Patrick Mahomes. But man, I would be very encouraged if I was Lions fan. Thinking about the crappy NFC, how there's really... Nobody established, nobody that you can truly deeply believe in after the top two. I would say probably the Cowboys are the next closest. Like they're maybe number three. Seahawks are somewhere in there, but I'm a little dubious of year two of Geno. And I'm not as excited as some people about what they're going to be able to do on defense, especially with the pass rush. And then I think the Lions are right there. I don't think that their division is going to be able to compete with them and going to be able to hang with them if that is the team. I think that they're going to whoop ass. So great for them to be able to... Live up to some of the hype right away. That has to feel really, really good for that team. Okay, now on to the Chiefs. You can't get you can't get worked up, obviously. And I think that it's probably going to be boring today. I, I didn't want to listen to anybody's takes. I didn't want to read anything. I didn't want to look on Twitter. I mostly tried to stay off. Because how, how can you worry about a team that didn't have Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones? How, how are you supposed to be upset about that loss? How are you supposed to be upset when... Kadarius Tony legitimately punted away the game, like tipped the ball for an interception. Nice play by that kid Burns, but he gave the game away. And then he drops the huge ball that immediately turns into a field goal that puts all the pressure back on the Lions offense. And they're going to have to go down the field and score with a very limited amount of time at best. If the chiefs don't just bleed the clock out on you there, which I thought that they were going to do. I thought that the chiefs were going to convert that and then basically just little bit of mix of run and pass, bleed the clock out, leave the lines with something like 30 seconds to go down the field and try to score a touchdown. Like that, that's what the Chiefs do. That's what I'm accustomed to. So the receivers play poorly. Man, Sky Moore can't catch a pass unless he's wide open. It's kind of pathetic. Um, it's why I avoided him in all fantasy drafts. I was just not a believer in him. I kind of like the Rishi Rice kid that caught the touchdown. He had a couple of moments in the game. But ultimately, the point is very clear, is that Travis Kelsey's 33 years old, and now he's got a hyperextended knee to start the season. And it'll probably be fine. They seem to be overly cautious with it. Here's the biggest spin zone if you are a Chiefs fan is that Travis Kelsey does not miss games. Like, go through his pro football reference page. This is not Gronk. This is not somebody who's been beat up. He, he's been just durable. He did look a little older, though, on the sideline. I don't know if it's a new look. I don't know if he's got grays or what's going on there. But he looked like an old cop. <laughs> he, looked, he looked like two years older than when we last saw him. I don't know if it's all the partying that he was doing over these Super Bowl wins, but... Yeah, he seems to have aged just a touch. He didn't look like catching Kelsey version of Travis Kelsey. But you get him back, you feel like the offense would be fine. But still, it's a guy who's going to turn 34 in a month. And that's a lot to put on someone with that mileage who's 34 years old to say, hey, if you fall out of the mix here, what's behind you? And, and the part of it that I really don't like that I think is a little under-discussed with the Chiefs is like, I don't like any of the playmakers. That's why I put playmakers in my tweet last night. Pacheco, I do have on my fantasy team. And I wasn't going to keep this guy because he had a nice Super Bowl. He's had some nice moments. He's kind of a really confident player. But, man, he, he doesn't have really any burst. There's nothing about him that's overly special. And that's the collection of their three backs. It's like Jarek McKinnon, good pass-catching guy, good third-down guy, didn't have an impact in that game, didn't really make a play. In a game where they needed downfield stuff, their pass-catching back didn't really do anything. Pacheco, 
like I said, he's fine, but he just feels like one of those guys that's even with good blocking doesn't find a way to, to hit the hole and get it into the secondary level. Just like no burst. He's fine. Good, solid, decent running back. Clyde Edwards, Alaire, he, he feels like a little bit better than him. It doesn't really feel like there's a huge gap between those two players when I'm watching them run. I just don't like any of the weapons around them. Tony's supposed to be the big boomer bust guy and starts off with a massive bust. And then maybe the Rishi Rice guy turns into something. It's Pat Mahomes. So you figure like over the course of the entire season that they're going to get there. But if we learn something from watching quarterback and we've learned anything about Pat Mahomes, it's that he over preps during the season. He has those guys come in early. So the Chiefs are not quite the rest of the NFL when it comes to where their receivers are supposed to be up with the offense. And like some of those guys have been there now for a while. This wasn't last year with a whole new cast of characters. Those receivers have been there. They've been in the system. And so I don't know if the improvement internally is going to come the way that it did last year. The chemistry is going to have the uptick the way that it did last year. Anyways, the Chiefs started slow. You can't be upset. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's drops. There's a case. There's a different scenario in that game where the Chiefs win it in a fairly significant manner. And that's why you can't make it all the way about the Lions. But yeah, the, those dudes are kind of nobodies. Those dudes are kind of nobodies. You're going to spend, you spend $35 on receiver and it, it looked like you showed $35 on receiver. But anyways, I love the lines. Lines are legit. Can't take it away. Gibbs was nasty. It looks like a 12 pick when he played the linebacker that they took that everybody was criticizing them for going, we well, can't take a linebacker at 18 made one of the best plays the entire game. Their coach is amazing. Just even when they were going for that fourth down, just the fist pump on the side, they didn't get it. They didn't get it, but I believed that they would because of the heart of Dan Campbell. And then, yeah, this team's going to get Jameson Williams back now in five weeks. You're one and oh, you're going to go five more weeks without Jamison Williams. And all of a sudden you're going to throw him in the mix. And it's not like Josh Reynolds drops. I know he had a big play in that game, but there were also a couple where you're looking around at it and going, they're a little thin at receiver. Also the Sam Laporta kid was solid. Although I didn't love that. He got tackled by a DB right away. I would have liked to see a little truck stick action there. I would have liked to see Sam Laporta look a little nastier, a little meaner. Kind of just went that. He just reminded me of a lot of like the Hunter Henry types, the Gusecki types where I went, all right. Thought you were the do everything tight end. I'll give you more time. I'll give you more time. But anyways, I believe in the Lions, and I like the Chiefs. Anyway, we'll take a quick break. Come back. And we'll preview this weekend in the NFL. Sportsnet five ninety the fan. Thing before I get into the weekend slate, a lot of people ask me about the fourth and twenty five. And I had people blowing it up, and they're going, why didn't they just punt? Why didn't they punt? I don't mind it. Part of me thought the same thing, because that's what I'm just used to, was thinking, oh, yeah, you punt here. You punt, you use your three timeouts and the two-minute warning. That was the only part of it that I actually didn't love, is that they, they kind of could have gotten away with the two-minute warning and given themselves an extra timeout, but who really cares? They get a first down, the game's over. Get a first down, and the game is over. And what, you want Mahomes with a shorter field? You saw at the end of the second half, or the first half, the end of the second quarter, why you do that. And that is, if Mahomes gets some time, and he steps up into the pocket, and he sees downfield, he can make anything happen. And if you think about that drive, even Sky Moore should have come up with that play. There was basically two balls that he threw there on those plays that that could have been completed. They could have made those happen. And if you're the Chiefs, it's like you make that, you complete one of these you're completely in control of the game. All of a sudden, it's the Lions that are using the timeouts. Do you really trust Jared Goff with 
what is still right now the limited set of receivers that he has to go down the field with maybe less than a minute left and no timeouts? Should the worst case scenario happen and you kick a field goal for them to try to win it? I'd much rather be in that position. But the main thing about it, and I think it's kind of, I mean, it's a little obvious. Maybe I'm just kind of straw manning here, but I did. I did. Like I came in today and the guys were talking about the fourth and 25 and this is what you turn the ball over there, which they did. And it's the same. It's the same thing. You're asking Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the NFL, to go down the field with no timeouts, but around two minutes left and score a touchdown. I feel still pretty good about that. You're just you're giving Patrick Mahomes more opportunity versus the defense. And I think Andy Reid knew a little bit of what we what we saw in the end of that game and what was right in front of us the drive before, which is without Chris Jones, the D-line was thin. This is a team that is a little bit more built around their secondary in the pass rush because they expect to be up in games. And the front seven, they, they were worn down. David Montgomery went from a guy who was like three yards a carry, two and a half yards a carry in the first half, was really fighting to get some yardage, to a guy that was just chunk play, chunk play, chunk play. I think that what Reed saw was his defense give up that touchdown where they've loaded the box. They went head to head against that Lions offensive line. And, and he just knew we're, we're not going to be able to get stops. If we get stops, great. We'll hold him to a field goal. We'll take the ball. We'll let Mahomes go do his thing. We'll let him try to run some magic. And if not, who cares? I'm, I'm rolling with Mahomes here over my tired defense that doesn't have Chris Jones. And against that Lions offensive line, which is truly one of the stories of the game. Like if, again, if you're a Lions fan, Amon St. Brown, sexy, fun. Gibbs, want more of them. But that, that was the story for the Lions. Offensive line. Offensive line play. Anyways, a uh, couple quick thoughts on this weekend's games. Number one, the biggest game of the weekend is clearly the Bills. It's clearly the Bills and the Jets. What does Aaron Rodgers actually show up as? And is Josh Allen going to still be able to carry this team? I don't really believe that the Jets are going to be as good as people think they're going to be. I've said that over and over, and now I'm starting to get worried because I've kind of cemented myself in this take, and I keep taking this position of, hey, uh, I believe in the Jets, or sorry, I believe in the Bills to win this division, and then I keep talking about it, and you spin yourself in circles doing take, 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 take over take over take, and now I'm kind of twisted up in this division where basically I've seen the path for everybody to have success. Like this morning, I was thinking about the Patriots game, and I was like, hmm, what if this defense is as good as people say it is? What if this defense is amazing? What if Bill Belichick actually did hit a draft and their front seven is kind of this underhyped group that everyone's talking about? What if Mac Jones gets a little bit back to the first version of himself? I was like, oh, nah, I'm sticking with my guns. I think that the Jets defense is going to be really good. And I think that's why it's going to be interesting week one for Josh Allen and the weapons that are around him and whether or not they can kind of get that running game going or get those secondary weapons going that I was talking about yesterday with Ty Dunn. Like to me, the key to the Bills season is yes, the pass rush, the defense has got to be competent. It's got to be defense. 
but I, I just, I don't believe that that's ever going to be the key to this team. I think it's going to be, you have to have an offensive identity and it, it's kind of like the same blueprint as the chiefs had where, Hey, can you get the odd turnover? Hey, can you get the odd big sack? Hey, can you protect the lead? Can you not be horrific? I, I think that the bills bar defensively is solid. Like it's not a, it's not a horrifically low bar with the chiefs a couple of years ago. Like it was, I like the bills defense. I think it's going to be fine, and I think people should stop worrying about it trying to be special. There was definitely the massive game against Kansas City where Vaughn Miller had the huge sacks and the pressures late, and that flipped everyone to believing, okay, well, no, this is the formula. This is what's going to happen. But no, they got down in that Bengals game. That, and and what, could, what couldn't happen? They couldn't score. And it was Josh Allen trying to do Superman stuff. And what was the other story last year? Josh Allen turnovers. Why? Doing too much Superman stuff. Not enough outside of digs. And I thought that their offseason was going to be a little splashier. I know a lot of us thought that they were going to be like a lock for Hopkins at one point. There was a real stretch where we all thought, oh, yeah, Hopkins is a bill. Hopkins is a bill. He's going to go to Buffalo. This makes the most sense. He's going to go to the Ravens or he's going to go to Buffalo. And it, he ends up in Tennessee with Mackey's squad where all of a sudden he makes that decision. And, or sorry, the Patriots were the other one. He makes that decision and immediately everyone's like, maybe he is washed. Maybe he's the new... Julio Jones going there where receivers end up in the graveyard. But now the, the way that I'm looking at this is Gabe Davis going to have big time internal improvement. Is James cook all of a sudden going to be a, a dynamic piece of their offense. Can they take a little bit off Josh Allen's shoulders? Can they have Josh Allen be Superman when they need him to be, but not Superman where they have to call on him for every single thing. Hey, Superman, there's a cat in a tree. Yeah, don't call me for this. You figure this out. Get a ladder. Superman, there was a minor burglary. I theft under 1,000. Yeah, figure that out. Take that to small claims, please. I don't want to end up here for this. And, and that's, what I'm, that's what I'm still nervous about with the Bills. Love Josh Allen. Love Stephon Diggs. Need to see something from Gabe Davis. And maybe it's the Dalton Kincaid kid, but I, like we saw yesterday with Laporta. Rookie tight ends always get a ton of talk. It always ends up being a massive conversation. I still stand by the Luke Musgrove thing, though. I actually think that he's going to pop for the Packers. I actually think that he's going to be good like right away. Apparently Christian Wood is banged up. And Romeo, or was it Romeo Dobbs? Whatever, Dobbs, however you say the guy's name, the second receiver of the Packers, who's also unproven. I think he's banged up as well. I think they're going to enter week one and could be the Luke Musgrove show. Musgrave? Either way. I like that tight end. I like him to have a good season. It just feels like a good blend of newer quarterback, hyped receiver, pass catcher guy, big body, over the middle, weaker division defensively. Like that dude. But yeah, you saw with Laporta last night. It's a lot to expect that all of a sudden the Bills, a Super Bowl contender, that the big missing piece was going to be a rookie tight end. Not trying to rain on the parade and just saying that it's, it's difficult to envision that that ends up being like the thing we look back on the season and going, man, he's their number two guy. It's still, it still has to be somebody else. And it still feels like they're a move away. Like it, it actually reminds me a little bit of the Jays offense coming into this off season where we all knew, Hey, you got to add a bat. You got to add a bat. You got to add a bat. And then they didn't really add a bat. And we went in and everyone was just like, no, the offense is good. It's a good offense. It's a, it's a, it's a fine offense. Look, it's going to be all right. And it's only going to be all right if we're projecting the best for everybody. But there's a pretty solid body of work with a lot of the other players, a lot of the other hitters that suggested eh, maybe they weren't going to be a top-tier offense. So, yeah, I, 
I'm a little lower on the Bills than I was a day ago, but I still believe. This is going to be a massive game. This is the only game where uh, this game, this game, I think the next one I'm going to talk about, Niners-Pittsburgh, that's going to have some lasting takeaways for me, but there's nothing that's going to be as close or as big as this one in terms of how, how I feel about things. Like, moving forward, how I'm judging these teams. Like, it's week one. I'm going to do overreactions on Monday. But how I'm really going to feel about stuff moving forward this season, yeah, like, this one's going to matter to me. All that Jets hype, I feel like if they get out of the gates where they get smashed by Buffalo and Buffalo just comes in and exposes these guys and they put up a 30-piece on this Jets defense, which I think is unlikely. I think it'll be a lower scoring game. But they come out and they just decimate these dudes and Aaron Rodgers can't really do anything, and it's kind of like him and Garrett Wilson, and nothing else is really working, and Dalvin Cook looks a little slow, and they don't use Brees Hall a lot because he still looks hurt. Then they're trying to go to these secondary receivers that nobody really knows too much about on New York. Rodgers is getting hit because that O-line is not very good because Becton isn't working out. Yeah, you're going to be able to take some pretty strong takeaways from this. Like, yeah, you got to immediately lower Jets' expectations. Like, they've got the swagger right now. They're the hard talk knocks team right now. I think it's very similar to the Lions thing. You've got a ton of hype. You've got a ton of attention. You sort of have to show up a little bit more than some of the other teams. Chiefs, you can fall flat. We've got a big body of work. You know? Like, some of these teams have earned the right to start flat. Eagles, if they go into New England, where the Patriots, I think, are three-and-a-half-point dogs, they go into New England, and Belichick's defense really confounds them, and the new running backs don't look great out of the gate. A.J. Brown drops a ball or two. You're going to be like, yeah, it's fine. They're the Eagles. They're going to be all right. Hurts didn't. He, Belichick came up with a good game plan. The game plan for them for a month. Yeah, fine. They get the benefit of the doubt. Niners, too. There's a class of teams that get the benefit. Bengals. If the, if the Bengals blow it to the Browns this weekend, you really going to have Bengals panic? You really going to freak out? Only thing from that game is if Deshaun Watson looks amazing against that defense and against that team, if he can hang with Joe Burrow, that's probably going to change expectations in Cleveland pretty quickly. That's going to change a lot of people's different projections when it comes to what I think is going to be the best division in football. But yeah, when it comes to Jets, Bills, it's obviously the game of the week. That's a no-brainer. But I think that you're going to be able to have legitimate takes, especially about the Jets, if the Jets come out of this thing flat. I'm not going to be overly excited with their schedule, which I've mentioned over and over and over again, before their bye in week seven. Their first six weeks of the season, they have one for sure W to me on the schedule. And if you lose this one to the Bills in the division, you're like behind the eight ball. Depending on how they lose it too, I just I, I could see things getting rough for the Jets quickly. The media there, and you know I love to blame the media, but just the pressure, the fan base, the the history, it just it, it all feels like it could fall apart real quick. They get out of the gates hot, they beat the Bills, and all of a sudden we can start having takes about man, Jets might be legit. This division actually might be wide open. Other one is Niners Steelers. And to me, the story of this one is pretty simple. It's which quarterback narrative do you believe in more? Do you believe that the Kenny Pickett and the year two of him in this offense, year two with him with George Pickens, year two with him with Fryermuth and Deontay Johnson, who shockingly somehow did not score a single touchdown last year, year two with an improved offensive line, something that was a huge problem a little while back when they were drafting running backs in the first round and their fan base was losing it. Do you believe in these two backs to be competent? Do you think that this offense can be real? Versus a quarterback who was awesome last year, Brock Purdy, was just like every week, no turnovers, two touchdowns, got hurt, went into the offseason, had the surgery done, and now he's got to be 
not only the seventh round pick who has the hope of Niners fans on his shoulders, but a guy that was coming off of an injury and who has someone breathing down his neck for that job back. And and I don't think Trey Lance ever was breathing down his neck. I think that they made up their mind. Kyle Shanahan made up his mind on Trey Lance pretty much immediately. What's it going to be like for Brock Purdy now that there is the weight of expectation, he's coming off the injury, and they're starting against what I think is going to end up being one of the, what, five, six, seven best defenses in the NFL this year? How's he going to look against a fully healthy T.J. Watt when T.J. Watt comes around the corner and hits him on the elbow? There's still Derek Purdy questions. The only thing that bums me out a little bit as a Seahawks fan is, like, part of me almost believes if Derek Purdy fails, it could end up being a good thing because you have the pedigree quarterback that's just waiting in the wings who apparently knows the system and Darnold's had his moments. Like in this Niners offense, it's not beyond me to believe that that guy could step in there and then end up being the better quarterback. So it's like, eh, even though they have quarterback issues, they kind of have two of the same guy. But either way, I can't wait to see what these two quarterbacks look like against two elite defenses. You've got Bosa who signs that big money ticket. He's going to be back. He'll be fine. I don't think that a guy like that is going to hurt them at all. And weirdly, as good as the Niners are, they didn't have a ton at defensive end. And now you look at that D-line, that front seven, their ability to get to the passer against Kenny Pickett for him to start this way again. Another team with a ton of swagger coming out of the preseason. That's sort of like the connective one with this game is why I care about these ones is not only are they the profile teams, but they're also, they're also the groups that, to me, it, it means a little bit more for them to come out of the gate with an actual important start. So the Steelers are there. You don't have to win this game if you're Pittsburgh. But I, I do think it's a bit of a disaster if a class team like the Niners embarrasses you. If the Niners pull your pants down, spank you week one after everyone's been talking about how you guys could win the division and you guys could win 12 games and it's, it's actually not the Steelers that it should be looked at fourth. They were plus 450 to win the division. They were, they were last. And usually Vegas is pretty good at this thing. But we're buying the Kenny Pickett hype. I think it's pretty much... I don't want to say it's a, it's kind of a group thing thing that we talked about again yesterday. NFL group thing kind of gets to this point, but you look around, you say Tomlin, this defense and an improved offense with the way that they finished last year and some of the flashes that they showed plus this preseason. How could you not believe in the Pittsburgh Steelers who have been successful the entire time under Mike Tomlin, who have been a, a good franchise, a solid franchise during my entire existence as a football fan, one of the premier franchises in the NFL. It's just, it's easy to fall in love with that. This isn't one of the overhyped teams. This is not the Detroit Lions where you just kind of throw holes in the plan or the New York Jets that I just talked about where you go like, ah, I don't know. Jets, maybe, maybe not. Steelers are easy to believe in, but they get embarrassed by a world-class team and all of a sudden you're looking at this and just kind of immediately you go, yeah, no, this isn't happening. Kenny Pickett, why did we believe that this was going to end up being a contender this year? Absolutely got to have week one. 100% got to have week one. And then my third game in terms of what matters a little bit more. Little bit of a sneakier one. I think it really, I think it matters for Jordan Love to look good. Not like amazing, but it's this Bears Packers game. Both franchises tortured by Aaron Rodgers. Packers fans, at the end of it, it started to get pretty ugly with Rodgers. 
And Bears fans are really trying to believe in Fields. I, I'm trying to believe in Fields. I want Fields and Love to both be competent. I want both of them to be solid. Make that division a little bit more interesting. But, like, honestly, both are pretty unknown. The only time that I watched Jordan Love was that game against the Chiefs. It was actually when I was in Baltimore at a Ravens game. And I came back, and I think it was the night game. And it was Packers-Chiefs. It was supposed to be a premier game, and Jordan Love gets in there. And we go, okay, show us what you got. It was pretty dreadful. But he's now had development of the way that the Packers do things, which is sit him behind the starter for a little while and then let him learn and see how this happens. And now it's a lot of throw your young quarterback into the fire. And it's kind of an indictment of a guy if he can't take over right away. Obviously, this was extenuating circumstances, but this is not the way that you normally see things get done anymore. And is that a sign of, man, we don't know what Jordan Love is going to... If he is going to be kind of that elite tier, would they have tried to potentially move off Rodgers? I don't think so. I just think it's a complete unknown in a style that is no longer super familiar with us in terms of the way that you learn things. I, I mentioned they've got the banged up receivers, but they've got the, the rookie tight end. The reason why I like him a little bit more too, though, is established offensive line, even with Bakhtiari hurt. But good running backs. Aaron Jones, stud. Dylan, less so. Like, always a little... A.J. Dillon leaves a little bit to, to be desired. Felt like some flashes, but overall not, not in love with the guy. But either way, just like there's some good pieces around him. There's a good coach. He's been in that system for a long time. I don't need him to be a superstar. I mentioned like there's a little bit of weight off of Packers fans where for once you don't have the expectation of we need to win a Super Bowl because this is the guy, but you just want to make pr- like progress and you want to feel like this guy's competent. And the Bears are not a good defense. This is not, this is why the Bears projections were... Uh, Insane. The Bears' projections got completely out of control. And that's why I also think that they should have just drafted Jalen Carter, especially when they traded back. Probably should have just gotten Jalen Carter. Probably should have just added that to their defense. Because, like, they added Yannick Ngakwe at one point. It's like, okay, fine. It's a professional football player, but now that's your that's your pass rush, Yannick Ngakwe? All right. A couple teams have been doing that lately and hasn't exactly been the best thing for them. And that's your premier player. I just expect Jordan Love to have time in the pocket. And if he has time in the pocket, what can he do with it? Can he make plays down the field? Can he find some chemistry with Christian Wood? Can he find some chemistry with the young tight end? Can the running backs keep guys off balance? Will he make those nice check downs and all of a sudden Aaron Jones is making plays for them? I just, if I'm a Packers fan, I want to see Jordan Love against a pretty underwhelming Bears defense week one, your division rival, look like a guy who could be the guy. If he comes out and it's a disaster and you're watching this rock fight between these two teams where neither offense can get off to a hot start, but the Packers specifically where they can't score points, where they're like, you know, one of those 13 point games, they score one touchdown against the Bears. Yeah, I think that would be pretty uninspiring for Packers fans. I think that would be a pretty tough one to to start your season on that foot. Anybody can start with a tough season. You can probably make a case for a bunch of these other teams, but Yeah, I I don't need him to look great. I just need him to look good. I need it to look like something I can believe in with Jordan Love. And then the other side of that is, I actually think you need to see way more than that from Fields. Packers defense is solid. I would expect him to still run on them like crazy to carve them up on the ground. But if you're a Bears fan, you, you passed on these quarterbacks, fair. It wasn't next year's draft, right? Wasn't Caleb Williams where it was just a bona fide, no doubt about it. You have to take this guy first overall draft. 
we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth on who the pick could be at number one when they traded out of that spot for the Panthers. Like, I think at that point, the Panthers had three different guys that they were considering taking and everybody saw the same thing. So I don't mind the Bears trading out of that spot. They had made a great trade. Everybody loved it. But I think that they got, I think that we got a little too excited about the acquisition of DJ Moore and haven't really looked at the rest of the offense and the defense and expecting this leap for the Chicago Bears. And then it got a little bit more realistic towards the the season. Bears fans, a big fan base, tortured fan base, well, recently anyways. And they really want to believe in this kid. But last year, they threw the ball at a historically low rate despite being down in a bunch of games. And, and that's got to change. I think that in this game, week one, same thing, as I mentioned with Love, you can see him score points with his legs. I think that he's always going to be that kind of a player. But you're absolutely going to want to see Justin Fields look a little different. Be able to have a connection with DJ Moore. Hit Mooney down the field for a deep ball. Something. God, it would be nice for them if Claypool... I, I forgot he was on that team. Until I was doing fantasy drafts, I didn't see. It was like, oh yeah, Claypool, right? He's on that team. They traded a second round pick for that guy at the very top of the second round. And... Yeah, he, uh, he's not even their number two. Ouch, that one stings. I think you could have pulled basically any Steelers fan. That guy would have fa- failed the Jared Sullinger test in a very, very meaningful way of asking the opposing fan base what you're getting in this player or the excitement that's going to happen if that player leaves your team. Claypool actually has a little bit of Dylan Brooks to him from before Dylan Brooks won Team Canada Basketball where it's like he's an athlete in a sport for Canada that's south of the border where normally we just completely glom on to this guy. And also he's a Notre Dame guy too. So that's another massively passionate fan base. So it's like, you have the backing of Canada and Notre Dame and it's sort of like, nobody's super claiming you. <laughs> it's like, he's Canadian. If he's doing really great, he was, he was Canadian for a little while there, but then he started doing TikTok dances when the team needed first downs and costing his team precious time on the clock fighting with his teammates. And he was all of a sudden he was a little less Canadian. He was a little less Notre Dame. Now he's a Chicago Bear. Now he's your third wide receiver. Maybe it works out. He's a big guy, maybe a little pressure off, but either way, like the point here is they do have three actual names to catch passes now. And they're headlined by a guy who made Austin Mackey's famously great quarterback, PJ Walker, who I'm pretty sure is not in the NFL anymore. Uh, I don't think he's like even signed to a team. Correct. Yeah. They made, he made him look great. So what does it look like if all of a sudden Fields doesn't take a big step with this big acquisition? You're going to make more excuses? Week one feels important. You've drawn it up. You've done it all. You've had the time. I want to see Fields be more of a downfield passer. It's kind of a little similar with Lamar. Like if I was going to extend this a bit in terms of that offense, but I actually kind of feel like the opposite is going to be true with the Ravens where they show up and their first game's against Houston. So it's like, you can't really put much on this. Like, but I kind of feel like the first couple of weeks of the Ravens are going to be, we're expecting this downfield passing attack. They probably carve up the Houston Texans. It's just hard to imagine what we've seen from Houston. Oof. I, I think Houston's going to be rough. This, this could be really bad. This could be a really bad one. If they draft CJ Stroud and he sucks and they end up passing over the first overall pick this year or a top two pick. This is just, this feels like an all-time franchise setback moment for a franchise that like really could not use that. Like I'll, I'll never understand the Will Anderson trade for them. But anyways, um, I feel like the opposite is going to be true for the Ravens where maybe they come to the gate and the, the pass attack is a little slow, but ultimately I won't care because Lamar Jackson wins football games. 
And, and I think that, that 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 group will find their level if they stay healthy. I, I believe in the Trey Flowers stuff. I don't believe in Odell as much, but as a secondary guy, it's fine. And then if that Bateman kid can stay healthy, plus Mark Andrews, it's like eventually that group will figure it out. Eventually that group will find the chemistry, learn the playbook. That's kind of like the Luka Doncic get in shape during the season thing where I'm like, yeah, yeah, Luka could score. I'm not worried about Luka scoring. Can they win a championship? I don't think so. But yeah, I'm not taking anything away from week one. But my point is, is like, eventually you want to see the Ravens look a little bit with that field stuff. Lamar is far more proven than fields. I don't even like comparing the two in this way, but it's just like, yeah, two guys that do it with their legs and they, you know what they can do with their legs. Lamar, you know, he can do it down the field much better than fields can. But I think a big gamble for this season for the Ravens was, Hey, how, how much of a step can they take? How much of the, the step, how much was their last OC potentially holding Lamar back? I just, th- those questions I don't think get answered until like week eight, week nine, week 10. Until we're like deeper into the season, they've had a bunch of divisional games. They've had some big moments. They've had some night games. They've maybe even had a bye week. I don't think we see it there. So those are the three. Those are my three games of this weekend where I'm going to care the most. I I told you, I don't care. The Eagles-Patriots is one of the more fun games. I think it's one of the more premier games. Same with Cowboys-Giants. But I I think the thing, the reason why I don't have Cowboys-Giants up there is like, I've seen Cowboys giants play a million versions of a bunch of different games. And they're just, they're the Cowboys. This is just one of those divisional rivalries where yeah, weird stuff can happen. And the Cowboys have kind of owned Daniel Jones. So I guess maybe I would take a little bit more from it. If Jones just balls out against that defense that I think is gonna be really good. Like I'm high on the Cowboys. I know I was making fun of Caleb yesterday about the Cowboys, but like I said, if I had to do my NFC power rankings right now, it would be Eagles one Niners two. Cowboys three, Lions four, Seahawks five, and then Saints six, maybe five, six, you could flip, but that, that's kind of the tiers. And I really view the top two as contenders. And if I was going to say that the next one in the contender tier, it would be the Cowboys. I'm just not a Dak believer. And so I feel like he's going to choke in a meaningful moment come playoff time. Regular season though, I think that they're going to win a bunch of games and I think they're actually going to be around the Eagles total. But I, I, I don't think that that first game is going to mean too much. I really don't. Unless, again, it's a disaster. But even if it is, we've seen Daniel Jones be a disaster against them. And I don't think Dak Prescott's getting benched. I don't think that he'll be a disaster. But, yeah, it would take something pretty cataclysmic for me to move off of the way that I feel about either of those teams. And, by the way, I have the Giants, like, just a tier below the Saints, where it's like, yeah, they're kind of in the middle of those groups. Where it's like, yep, I could see them in a playoff spot. I could also see them only winning six or seven games. And then, yeah, the Patriots game... It's Bill Belichick. I, I, I just don't think that if the defense gets carved up, it's probably because Jalen Hurts carved them up and that defense has struggled against rushing quarterbacks. If they play extremely well and they slow the Eagles down, I'm going to chalk it up a lot to Eagles just getting off to out of the gates, slow start, Belichick, good game plan. Like it's just, it's again, it's not a huge opinion changer for me. Maybe I'm lying though. Maybe I'll come in here Monday. I'll do my overreactions and it's going to center like a bunch of games that I didn't actually cover. Maybe the the thing that I hit on that day is going to be, yeah, that. Anyways, I'm so excited for it to be back. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm going to throw up all my best bets for this weekend. I'm actually going to be heading to a cottage today. Um, so there's a little part of me that's not overly upset. Canada's not in the gold medal game because I would have had to hustle back at like 6 a.m. on the Sunday. 
But yeah, follow follow there. I'm going to be sharing all my best bets over the weekend. I'm going to have a ton. I already put out all my futures, and we missed Jared Goff by one. But yeah, I I, I love this weekend slate. I really do. I, I always love week one because it's gut time. It's a time where you pick with your gut. Go with your gut. Enjoy week one. Enjoy rotting on the couch. Subscribe and review. With Delta B. 